Welcome to the Hey Salespeople podcast, where we focus on delivering immediately actionable best practices for sales professionals. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan from SalesLoft. Hey, salespeople, it is my great pleasure to welcome Mark Dewan to the show. Welcome, Mark. Good morning. Mark is the Chief Business Officer at Checker, and they are a people trust platform, which includes background checks and a lot of other ways to make sure that employers are hiring the right people. So today we're going to talk, I think, pretty broadly about organization and culture building. Mark, as Chief Business Officer, runs all things customer facing, marketing, sales, customer success, and so on. Mark, to get to know you, I'm going to ask you the question I ask a lot of guests, which is how do you stay current? How do you stay sharp in your role? You have really to have a very uh, good hygiene here. And what I call by hygiene, I am 52, 27 years in the business. You have to stay very curious. And, uh, you know, I have a tendency to wake up really early, run outs, workouts, and eat well, you know, focus on making new people successful. Wake up in the morning and the first thing that comes tops of mind is how can I make my organization successful? Staying curious, what I mean by that never come across thinking that you have seen everything and you know everything. And staying curious as well is making sure that when you refer to your expertise and your experience in the past, understand the context and try to bring the right point at the right time. And staying curious as well is here, try to hear the people, how do they do it today and how it has to be done today. I have the tendency to say, you know, um, Jeremy, when it comes to sales and go to markets, is as much important as product innovation. So you have to keep innovating. We're still doing sales as we used to do sales 10 years, 20 years ago. I disagree with that. I believe that innovation has to be top of mind of all leaders and disrupting a business with a different way to approach sales and customers should be as much important as product innovation. You mentioned that sales is your perspective seems to be that things have changed dramatically. What's changed and, and why do you think that things have changed? Let me tell you what maybe hasn't changed. The characteristic of a good salesperson and a good uh, leader. I'm saying this shouldn't change. They have a lot of common characteristic today, uh, like uh, 20 years or 30 years ago. What I mean by that, I have three words to define it. Having a purpose, if you are in the sales organization, as I'm saying, waking up in the morning with a clear purpose, and really that purpose, I don't think that it should evolve. It's You want to be successful. The second thing really important that I have the tendency to say, you need mastery. You need to be capable as a person to master it at the perfection everything you do and everything you learn. And the third one is responsibility. It's responsibility for what you do and responsible for the people you work with and responsibility for your family as well. So purpose, mastery, responsibility. You mentioned as part of purpose is this focus when you wake up to discipline your mind and your body. If you had to think about what is your purpose at Checker, how do you define that today? The purpose for me is taking on a challenge like this one here, like the one I took before. And my main purpose when it comes to my professional life is to be successful in the job. You know that there is no fairy tale, okay? You know that when you take a job like that, despite all what you can see, it's a great company, great product, doing very well. You know that uh, 
they are a lot of what I will call wrinkles, okay? And, and uh, the resilience and the purpose can help you to overcome that. So this is what I mean by purpose. It's really making this organization successful and continue making it to grow this business and, you know, making sure that the purpose of the company is being achieved as well. Long-term, you know, building up the greatest company possible. You come into a place that's working great and your objective is just to sustain the growth. Or you come into a place that's broken and your objective is to turn it around what are the types of situations that excite you? I'm an organization builder. In my 27 years, even if PTC, I stayed there almost 19 years, I don't remember having been in the same position for more than two or three years. Moving from one country to another one, from one organization to another one, and I have been mainly building up organization. I don't think that you will you know, inherit somehow a well-oiled organization that is really working because companies need to evolve. I call it a constant iteration. You need to keep in mind that when you are reaching a level where you think that everything is working, you are probably the wrong person in a job <laughs> and probably better for you to look for another job. You need to be in constant iteration because you know that uh, there is no perfection in this world here and you, have, uh, you are working in extensive human capital business that you need to make sure that's what they will call this bell curve, okay? So you have the big masses in the middle there that every day you move one person from that uh, fat part of the bell to the right part of the bell will make you successful. This is the constant, I will say, iteration as I call it. And, 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 and in a constant way, you have to think how you can do it there. One of the greatest leadership abilities is to create a scalable, repeatable process that works for like the average individual. Because when you're a large enough organization, it's very difficult to have everyone be top business school, top engineering school, top whatever liberal arts school, like top people. So what do you think about that comment about like that's the traits of great leaders? You need to profile as well the people that you need to hire to be able to execute on that sales process. And along the way, it's this close feedback loop. It's like uh, listening to the customers and changing your products, making your product evolve. You need to make your organization to evolve and your process to evolve to improve over time in making sure that you can make as many people as possible successful in the organization. The best proxy for success is when you have you know, as many salespeople as possible really successfully setting and hitting their goals, making money. Coming back to your comment, maybe you can start with the average or the simple possible, and then you can add the kind of more sophistication there. And there is also a notion when you are building up an organization, there is this notion of snowball effect, okay? So targeting a small group within your organization that have the highest propensity to be successful and to adopt this sales process or any iterations show success with those people, and that success will anyway steer the entire organization toward basically, you know, uh, the best possible outcome you are looking for. This notion trying to make everyone successful when you are in situation like mine, that's been pre-IPO companies that need to build up this highly repeatable sales process and scale. I believe that this snowball effect starts small and then slowly, slowly increase the cohort somehow of salespeople to be successful and make them successful. Can you give an example of maybe a process change that you have made either at Checker or Zora or PTC? Tell us a little story, I guess, of a process change in sales that you made where you did use the snowball effect. 
I'm assuming that lots of salespeople listening to your podcast, they've heard about Medic. For all of you, I had the, the privilege to be a part of PTC with some great people like uh, you know, the Jack Napoli. I, I remember Jack. Jack was my first instructor or trainer on the Medic. And the art to make basically you know, complex cells very simple. And I don't remember you know, understanding exactly how to use it and try to learn as much as you can that is becoming the routine of uh, interrogating your deals, okay? And it's not, I will not call it a sales process. It's really a self-interrogation tool to enable you to understand where you are. And when you are a salesperson, I have a tendency to say the medic, it's your GPS. It's your navigation system, where you are at in the sales process and uh, how we adopted it how we really wrote it out that it's uh, became over the years the signature of a company and the, the reputation is far beyond the size of uh, what ptc is today 7000 or 6000 people organization so that was a great experience the second one at zora it's maybe how you can iterate and try to make your value proposition much more easier and simpler zora is a bidding solution okay subscription revenue management but in reality it's in billing solution billing uh, we haven't invented anything it was in the market the telcos are probably extensive i will say users of billing but the art to understand the value proposition there and switching from positioning billing to a business model transformation because you had the SaaS that was a disruption forces in the markets and most of the companies trying to build up a much more sticker relationship with their customers and the art to make a very complex value proposition much more simpler here to be able to reach CXOs and CEO level has helped a lot of companies to scale from you know, the 30, 40 million dollars AER to where the company is. At Checker, the challenge that we have and we need to overcome is I call the reinventing somehow the company and the go-to-market of the company, moving from having a tremendous success with all the gig economy, the perfect fit. I believe Checker, without any go-to-markets, they've been tremendously successful with the gig because the products had a perfect fit with the Ubers of the world, the Lyft of the world, the DoorDash of the world, to be able to enable them to hire that many shoppers and uh, and drivers with an API-first platform. To a situation where we are, how we can make that value proposition and adopt it to any type of companies. You can go to a staffing company, to a technology company, and how we can go there, where potentially there is less compelling reason to buy checker if I am a small organization that doesn't need to hire thousands of people. And this is where we are in today. Okay. So redefining and making that sales process to evolve. Uh, maybe to talk more about the process, how I'm going through that evolution, then telling you what the sales process you know will be. How you go through that evolution, make sure that the companies or the person that will be receptive somehow to that message is the customer and the buyers. Okay understanding who is the buyer and spending time understanding how that buyer is really thinking about a background check solution or as we call it a people trust platform is the key for you to be used and to be able to iterate around your sales process to make sure that every time that that buyer is receiving a marketing communication from your company 
they can start to understand the problem and potentially, you know, think about your solution and how better your solution will be for her or for him. That process can take, you know, a long time. This is the reason why I'm talking about uh, iterative process. You have to start from somewhere and then iterate along the way until you reach what I will call the frictionless path to growth and to revenue. I too am a humongous fan of medic or its variations, right? Including M-E-D-D-P-I-C-C, right? The full, full-on version, metrics, economic buyer decision process, decision criteria, paper process, right? Identified pain, champion, and, and competition, right? I think I got them all. But the question I had is, as you were at PTC or elsewhere, what do you think is the biggest adoption accelerator to making sure that the organization, you know, really embraces it. Because I've seen companies try and fail to introduce inspection methodologies like that. Jeremy, it's about discipline. That's been the number one, the number one ingredient here for a healthy organization and a good adoption. You have to go back once again to the human nature and who we are, okay? I was talking about extensive human capital business here. And when you have more people you have, more you will have the people that will like it, the people that will hate it, the people that do not ch- want to change their habits. And here you are asking most of the time to the people to do it differently, unless you are in the sales for the first time in your career. So what I mean by discipline, if you are convinced this is the right thing for your business, this is how your organization will be successful, you have to have a really a strong, strong discipline there. And as a leader, you have to get in the weed in making sure that uh, you inspect what you expect. I find sometimes, and since you run both sales and marketing, you probably know this tension, right? Is salespeople want messaging that it's the right language that they feel comfortable communicating with their prospects. And sometimes marketing will come in with a value prop that's a little bit more abstract, that they're a little less comfortable. And, and I was thinking about you know, subscription billing versus I think you use the the terminology business model transformation. Is business model transformation too abstract for the average salesperson? Has that gone too high? You have to be careful here to make sure that it's not too much abstract from what the customer, you know, day-to-day life is and how do they understand a business. So, and you have a different layers as well of communication and value proposition. You have the messaging, okay? How do you want your company to be recognized from the branding perspective? That message can help us to soften a little bit more the work for the SDR and for the salespeople. If you take the Zora example, a business model transformation resonates very well with the C level. And we know for a salesperson to connect with the CEO and CEO, it's rather difficult most of the time. But you need to give them the air cover. If I have to use the army analogy here, is the B-52 <laughs> of... Uh, an organization. So you need to have those B-52 uh, to make sure that you can enable your snipers in the field to really progress, I will say, in the field. Uh, and then you have to take that message and try to have a, a, the version of it that can really be compared to the buyer or to the people that your sales organization are really interacting with. Uh, and the marketing organization has to be a part of that. This is what I love in this job. When you have... A, when you have the responsibility of the entire customer-facing organization, you can see that this dynamic between the marketing, sales, SDRs, you know, getting all together and trying to iron out basically that messaging, marketing, listening to the call of the SDRs with the customers, 
and try to change doing some A-B testing there. So this is what's really I like. Those, uh, this is what they call those iterations. That's when you have the response of both or of all that organization. You can see it and you can orchestrate that. I actually quite appreciated that. I don't think I've talked to anyone who has framed it in quite this way that if you're the salesperson, you need to be able to express the value proposition at higher levels of abstraction, but higher levels of relevance as you go up the organization. And you know, ultimately, if you are talking about business model transformation, in the case of Zora, right, is helping to connect that down to like, what does subscription billing do for their business? That's a great insight. And then last on Checker, one of the comments you made was API first. Salespeople have to adapt I think how they message and sell from the world where they're selling what we all think of today as products and services to these API first products. How does that change the go-to-market strategy and or the messaging for people? It's give you more avenues to growth and you have to select the one that can help you to expand the fastest. What I mean by that, Jeremy, is when you're an API first solution, in reality, what you are saying there, I can sell it to any of my buyers. They can do the integration on their own. They can integrate with whatever solution they want. Okay, that can add a certain level of complexity. But if you nail it first, I'm taking some you know well-known example of uh, API-first platform. If you think about uh, Stripe of the world, okay, Stripe is is a fantastic example. We would like with Checker. Imagine the different avenues we are. If you look to our ecosystem, we are a point solution in the hiring and onboarding process. Okay, At the front end, you have the candidate sourcing solution, application tracking solution. At the back end, you have the onboarding solution. You have human capital solution. You have payroll. You have benefit solution. And you have the customers. So being an API-first platform, we have clearly a fantastic advantage there. To say, I can select the account that will go direct with a dark sales organization, and I can use that ecosystem and integrate my solution in it. I can have a greenhouse, lever, pillocities of the world, zenith of the world, to really integrate my solution into their solution and their workflow. And every time they will acquire a new customer, that customer will need background check. So they can just click on a button there, and then they can have access to Checker platform. So that can enable you to have really a complex distribution because you have MSPs, channel, direct, uh, commercial. But it's extremely important to be able to scale fast and expand extremely quick. What are some tips that you have for companies who maybe have been selling direct and then want to go into leveraging a bit of indirect sales? My advice is think about the easiest and the fastest path to revenue. And, uh, you know, you have to be humble. You can be a direct sales leader that loves to have direct salespeople, but it's maybe conflicting with the interest of what is good for the company. So you should be focused on what can help your organization, your company to scale the fastest. Could be a direct and indirect, and then align with your product organization that strategy and double down on it. If you're going to open up an international office, any advice for whether you should go, you know, direct or leverage channel as your first foot in the water internationally? Here, what I have a to say, when it comes to the business, the business is universal, regardless you sell to Chinese, Japanese, or US-based company. What I mean by universal, product, strong value proposition, a clear basic, you know, buyers, and you have identified your ideal customer profile. If you keep that in mind, okay, 
either going direct or indirect. I don't think that there is a big differences here. Okay, so when you go direct, I believe the the characteristic of leader you are you have hired here in the U.S. You need to understand how to identify those people in the country where you go. If you go indirect. It's about understanding the networking there. So Japan has an example, a lot of software. When I was there, probably 90% of the company went indirect. The Japanese ecosystem has been built up in a such way where getting access to the markets, you need to work with those big conglomerates there. At PTC, we have decided to bypass that and do it direct. <laughs> and the company has been very successful. It has been hard at the beginning there, but has been extremely successful there. So uh, knowing someone there that understands that network to be able to advise you how to do that, I believe is really, really important. But keep in mind, business and setting, it's really universal. Don't make it more complex than you think. Don't think that the culture, the tradition uh, is very different. For sure, the way to interact with the people is slightly different, but the way you sell your product is very similar. If people do want to get in touch with you or learn more about opportunities at Checker, what's the best way for them to do that? Go to LinkedIn, okay? So send me an email if you want. Uh, you know, it's uh, mark with a C dot D1, D-I-O-U-A-N-E at checker.com and personal email you reverse the name with the first name it's d1.mark at gmail.com thanks again so much and be well appreciate it thank you Jeremy Hey Salespeople is a production made in partnership with Frequency Media I'm your host Jeremy Donovan Paige McCauley is our producer the podcast is available on Apple Podcasts Spotify and wherever else podcasts are found Thanks for listening to the Hey Salespeople podcast.